0: Good morning. This is One in 36, a presentation from Anderson Center for Autism, celebrating their centennial in 2024. One in 36 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And today I am speaking, um, I think, all the way across the country, right? You're in California, Kelly. Okay. So um, I'm speaking with Kelly Coleman, um, world's best mom, from what I understand from your website, (laughs) although I will will fight you for that title, Um, and uh, author and all around... um, advocate and a uh, really just an interesting person. And I'm so glad you're here to tell us about your new book, but also about yourself and uh, your family and what inspires you. So Kelly Coleman, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I'm laughing out loud, as you said, the world's best mom. When your kids give you a mug that says world's best mom, And they're like laughing as hard as they can. You're like, wait (laughs) a second, what's going on here? Why is this
0: so funny to you? (laughs) Why is
1: this so funny? I'm like, wait a second. Um, And I actually like to give the caveat, yes, I am. And so are you and you and you, because I am the world's best mom to my two children and I am the person they need. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what we all need to wrap our heads around is we are and can be and can be confident in we are the person that our children need. Um, took me a minute to get there on the beginning of our journey with disability and autism and many other things. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like I'm here. I feel like I'm the person my kids need. So anybody listening to this, you are the person your kids need. Um Great you, method. I love that. Uh we have I have lots of exciting things going on in our house. Um I am an advocate. I am a speaker. My background is in screenwriting and talking animal movies, and that all segued into my book that I am just so excited about because it is the thing I desperately needed a decade ago when we started on our journey of many diagnoses with our younger son. It's called called Everything No One Tells You About Parenting a Disabled Child, Your Guide to the Essential Systems, Services, and Supports. And when I'm talking with people about it, I say not only this is what I needed, but this is my answer to what so many of us are told with a diagnosis or even a Mm -hmm. a go-get-evaluated-for-a-diagnosis, is we're basically told, go home, Google, and cry. See ya. And we're left just gobsmacked and not knowing where to begin. And so literally like we're going home and we're Googling and we're crying because the internet is telling us just how awful any sort of a diagnosis is for our child. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting of this, from this place of fear and inadequacy and oh my goodness, I am never going to be the person my child needs. And the reality is, and I love that your podcast just, comes back to this over and over, is that if we can get a foundation of real information, we can build that journey for ourselves, our families, and especially our children that is unique to our location, our state, our county, yes. and to our child as an individual diagnosis or not. Um how do we call our insurance company i don't know but you know what i learned is <laughs> i was reading from the book that i as i was writing the book and taking notes i was like oh i've been doing that wrong for years how do we ask the right questions how do we start with real information we can trust and also again back to why your podcast is so great it's real information that people can understand and use mm-hmm. um the advantage of Having a background in creative writing and being a parent in this world is I'm right there, right along with everyone. And it does have the personal stories from me, from other parents who have contributed. It has interviews with over 40 experts, many of whom are disabled themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Great. Or divergence or others. That was uh, most importance to me because um, these are the authorities we should be listening to. But I think if I was a high level attorney writing this book about all the legal stuff, it would read very differently. Mm -hmm. And goal was really for this to read like a conversation that a parent who is just now faced with this. Can hold this and say, Oh, I'm not alone. And you know what? I actually don't know how to start financial planning for my child who may never be independent. Um, well, what do I do? And so it's right. like, here's how to actually do the paperwork and the planning and the stuff that nobody knows how to do, but we all have to figure out. And how can we spend less time doing all that paperwork and more time just loving our kids as they are?
0: Well, you said a lot and I'm sort of reacting to it all, but I, you know, I think everything you just said resonated with me from the beginning in terms of, you know, you are the expert and you are the best parent for your child, um, but also taking into consideration and and validating the fact that that so many parents have shared with me their experiences of immediately upon hearing a diagnosis really of any kind, um, there's there's this immediate sort of gut punch of or maybe you're not um and maybe all these other people or or these other systems and they know better um i've had a lot of families over the years talk because it's true anderson i get to do this podcast but i also get to interact with a lot of families who've made decisions to um seek residential placement for their for their loved one for their child and and make other you know incredibly challenging decisions on their behalf and one of the things that i've i've heard from families time and again is um Always seeking this balance of trusting oneself, but somehow also remaining open to any and all advice or, you know, expertise and suggestions um, coming from the school district, coming from the doctor's office, coming from the neighbor, coming from the grandparents, coming from the siblings, um, uh, you know, wherever it might be. And I and I end those conversations with the sense of how exhausting keeping that up must be for parents. So I wonder if, if you, do you speak to that? Does that um, sound like something that you've gone through that sense of like always kind of having to be on in some way to all of that?
1: I love that you brought this up because this is so hugely important. Um, Our son, we have two sons. They're both amazing. I could talk all day about all the reasons they're both amazing. One is 12, one is 10. They're hilarious and wonderful and weird in all their own great ways. Um, our older son is not disabled. Our younger son is, and mm-hmm. multiple disabilities, including autism, cerebral palsy, epilepsy, cortical vision impairment, microcephaly, feeding tubes, sensory, cognitive behavior. Like he's like, I'm just going to check all the boxes. I'm just going to be an overachiever. <laughs> and so, as you can imagine, to speak to your point, We get a lot of advice everywhere we go. You know, if one more person tells me, you know, you should find something he likes to eat and you should feed him that. What?
0: (laughs) Mind blowing, right?
1: (laughs) Did you say that out loud? Um, The barrage of unsolicited advice is often constant and especially in the beginning and even from people close to you. And even mm-hmm. people saying things like, Oh, uh, Kelly, I'm so worried about you, you should take a yoga class. And this is all you know, in the book. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? I am like crying because I'm trying to figure out insurance and government benefits. And I haven't slept in three weeks. And I don't want to be in a room of bendy 20 somethings for going out to brunch after this, like,
0: right, right,
1: right, right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even that self care of, Right now, my self care is figuring out what is the system so I can do all of this. And a really interesting and incredibly nuanced and often messy piece of getting advice from people is something that has been one of the most essential parts of our journey with my son and his disabilities and our family's, frankly, education from the ground up in disability, in neurodivergence, in all the things. Mm-hmm. Is listening and talking to and following autistic people, disabled individuals, people with conditions similar or different to his, but who are living a disabled life in a way Mm -hmm. that I am not disabled. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. um, It is so important and so key and can become very heated because there are these impassioned and articulate and, and kind of remarkable self-advocates. And I say remarkable because they are choosing to put themselves out there and in the conversation in in such an authentic way. And that is what I find remarkable. Um, And there can be this dichotomy of, I want to listen to those with the lived experience, but then does that mean I need to invalidate or ignore my own experience as a parent caregiver? And that can get really messy because I personally do not know what it's like to live life as an autistic person. However, nobody knows what it is like to be the mother and the primary caregiver to my individual child. And the people that I am in community with or following online are not calling 911 in the middle of the night for a seizure, are not planning their future around full-time care for a child who will never be independent, who's awesome, by the way. Yeah, Uh, it is this really challenging space to inhabit, because I want to validate the experience of those who are living this. And at the same time, I don't want to feel like I am being erased as a human in this full time caregiver role. Yeah, there's no training for it. And it's forever and it's full time in my case. And I am embracing it with pride. But also, like, if I show you my to-do list and my paperwork for today alone, you'd be like, whoa, that's a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, I, 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 again, appreciate everything that you're sharing. And, and so personally... Um, because I, I always have to assume that there's somebody out there listening who's uh, embarking on this or just got a diagnosis, you know, or is um or is just seeking some validation for how they're feeling in this very moment, um uh, that sense of overwhelm. And and, you know, advice comes often from people who have the best of intentions, but but intentions are not all of it. Um There's also timing and reading the room and reading the person that you're talking to. And also I think something that goes really, um, unfortunately under under underappreciated maybe, and not, and I'm not saying by you, but I I think that I often hear, how can we help? What can we do? Um, Anderson has a program called autism supportive programs where we help, businesses and communities and uh other organizations municipalities entities become more autism aware and and autism supportive and a lot of what they will ask is what can we do and um and what our answer is typically is is one really easy thing is Listen rather than jump to offering advice or suggestions. Sometimes that person just needs space or, and, and they might need help in a moment and offer help or just stand by and be there if they ask for help. There's so many very simple things that are really non intrusive. Um, and take all of that sort of, you know, I think I know what might help here. It's like you you sort of have to actively think, don't think like that for this moment. You don't know, you don't know at least half of what's going on in this scenario. So I throw that out there. It's not exactly what you're saying, but I think it's worth commenting on. Um, we're going to take a short break. We're actually already halfway through. We're going to come back and then maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the book and, and introduce us to Hetty, who I know is a big part of your um, and, and and your family's life. And um, so this is great. We'll be right back. This is 1 in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. And I'm your host, Eliza Bosensky. We'll be right back.
1: If I could be you and you could be me,
0: there's a river rushing through the woods while someone rushes through their day there's a mountain looking up at the sky while someone looks down at their phone a trail waiting to be walked while someone waits for a latte this world is full of somewheres waiting for someone just like you so go see yours at 154 National Forests and 20 Grasslands and to learn more visit nationalforest.org the National Forest Foundation. See you're somewhere. And now, 1 in 36 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozensky, and I'm talking with Kelly Coleman. Um, many, many things, many interesting parts of your background, but in this case, we're speaking about your role as, I think, uh, mom advocate author um so thank you so much for sharing um kelly in the first half of the show a lot of your thoughts your kind of opinions or experience um raising your two boys um I'd love for you to um, either, whatever you'd like to do, but either give us an anecdote from the book, something that you think, you know, really stood out for you when you were writing that section of it, um, or maybe surprised you in terms of your reaction to to learning about it or um, whatever that might be. Um, or, of course, share with us about your other passion, which I think is uh, canine companionship and um, what having a service dog in your home and with your family has done for all of you.
1: Yes, I could talk I could talk service dogs and paperwork all day, which either <laughs> makes me awesome or the most boring human on the planet. So there you go. <laughs> um but the dog keeps me from being too boring. Um so first to address when I was writing this, what surprised me is that this book doesn't exist. It is a guide to the basics of diagnosis, getting comfortable with disability, what this looks like for you as a parent caregiver, and all the super nuts and bolts of IEPs, school, disability rights and advocacy, future care plans, financial plans, your insurance company and social services. It's all of the nuts and bolts things. And it Mm -hmm. does not exist. There are amazing resources where you can piecemeal it together, but it's taken me a decade to figure this out and we're all reinventing the same wheels. And I'm so passionate about how do we stop reinventing the same wheels? Let's start with the book and there will be more in the series of how do we actually do the things and Mm -hmm. actionable steps and there are templates and lists and all of that. So I was surprised it didn't exist I was also a little bit surprised at first when I was reaching out to experts for the book, how many people said yes with so much speed and enthusiasm, even people <laughs> at very high levels. Um, Judy Human, who's known as the mother of the disability rights movement, emailed mm-hmm. me back the same day from a cold <laughs> email, and I was like how is this happening? Because she was so passionate about setting parents up to succeed and to embrace all the parts of their child about honest conversations about, yes, being disabled is harder than not. Let's talk about and acknowledge that. And it doesn't take anything away from your kid and how much you love them and all the wonderfulness. And that kept coming up over and over is that it's okay. And from disabled individuals and those who've been advocating in this community at high levels for years saying yes it is harder to be disabled than not and acknowledging that is not only okay but it is necessary because yes. what are the barriers that we are facing that's making it hard you know what the social service call i had yesterday is a barrier that's making my life hard this week so there you go mm-hmm. um and what supports can we put in place that make this not just, quote-unquote, easier, but make life equally accessible for everyone. And one of the things in our lives and in our family's life that makes the world more accessible happens to be our service dog, Hedy. She's the best. And my son was paired with Hetty through an organization called Canine Companions um, a couple weeks before the world shut down in 2020. So Mm -hmm. we our service dog and we're like, we're taking her everywhere. And we're like, oh, just kidding. The world is closed down. Right, can't go anywhere. So she got a lot of four-hour walks. Um, And we've been such advocates for canine companions and also the many other great service dog organizations that are out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, A service dog is different than an emotional support animal, than a therapy animal. Service dogs are specifically trained in tasks to mitigate Uh, The effects and uh, things of disability for a specific individual. So, our dog is task trained in things that specifically support our son um, and his. Sensory needs his propensity for throwing things like lots of different things um, where the tasks come in. And something that surprised me that has been just consistent with our service dog experience is I believe that having a service dog out in public with us changes my son's interaction with the world Mm -hmm. on a deeper social level. And it is a fascinating experiment of my son is visibly disabled, you can see by looking at him that he's got some stuff. Um, And he's cool with that. And all the things we talk about with him, with his consent, with my family's consent, we were very specific about getting our children's consent before we talk about them. Yeah. um, When he is in public, he is loud and proud with his stimming, which can look like you know physical behaviors it can look like and sound like very loud and sudden and sometimes prolonged squealing because that is his joy and that is his stim. yeah um when people turn and look at the kid who looks a little weird to them because they've never seen a disabled person oh that's scary no disabled people not scary um and they they look at him and they kind of go ah versus they look and they see the dog at the mall. This is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, The social interaction of what if every time someone looks at you, instead of making the face or turning away, they smile. They have a reason to interact. They have a topic. The topic is dog. Um, Mm -hmm. They ask my son if they can pet his dog. They ask him the dog's name. Like, they really interact with him. Because the dog for us gives us an inroads for communication. My son is incredibly outgoing, incredibly social, and he he craves and seeks out those interactions.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it gives a framework is that he he is quite comfortable with interacting. Others are not always comfortable with interacting. Yeah. And it gives them that sense of comfort because dog, everybody loves the dog. Yeah.
0: I think that that's a really great point. And I've seen the same thing through um, working at Anderson center for as long as I have and interacting with so many families um, and, and ch- students and adults with autism. There is a myth that has been ongoing for so long that people with autism spectrum disorder do not want to be social, um, that they're happier if you just leave them alone and don't look at them and don't make eye contact and don't talk to them. And it's such nonsense. Um and and sadly was, you know, just as well, I shouldn't focus on the negative. Thankfully, we're, we're seeing significant changes, um, in that stereotype and, and that, um, that myth. But I think you're also right that providing, um, an entryway for social connectedness is so. And um and so uh so and I'm a I'm a dog lover in general, but I think that dogs for so many people, not everybody, but for so many people, um can be uh can can serve in that role and can help is really beautiful. Um, we're we're getting close to our time on this particular note because I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about how to get the book and and um what else might be coming in the future. Um, I just want to point out that on your website, um, Kelly, there's a few videos and you were a keynote speaker at a couple of events that I checked those YouTube videos out and you tell a beautiful story that I think really underscores your point just now, um, about being online at the store with with your son and with Hetty and uh how this request, very seemingly simple request to have you sing uh Aaron's favorite song turned into this unbelievably sort of unexpected but gorgeous moment with everyone else online um in the store with you that day and that really touched me because it just I so I'm, I'm bringing it up because I want everybody listening to just go check out that video and at the very least listen to that story. Every one of us can have so many of those beautiful moments in our lives and we can be the initiator of those we can be the followers it really doesn't matter. But we can involve ourselves in that if we're just open, like you said, to the idea of instead of turning away, just turn forward, turn towards the person. Um, And that I can't tell you what it what what it means. Um, uh, Again, I'm speaking on behalf of, of many other families that talk to me, but the idea that somebody just smiles at your child, um, or, or joins in the moment of the squeal of joy, um, instead of just pretending like it's not happening. And I would think as a parent, you so miss so many of those opportunities to have joint joy with other people in your surrounding area. Um, so you're kind of feeling it, but it's sort of a little bit alone. So I just want to advocate to remember that it doesn't take much to just be open to those opportunities.
1: Yes. And Um, to build for more child's joy.
0: Yes. The most
1: joyful moments because we are fully celebrating him in all of his literally loud and quite proudness of his things. And rather than trying to say, don't do this in this moment, we're saying, You want head, shoulders, and knees, and toes? You know what? All of a sudden, we have a whole line of people. Like, I'm ready to cry just thinking about it. And because we leaned into his joy, his stimming, Mm -hmm. his things that are part of how his brain works, and if I had tried to shut that off... Um, that wouldn't
0: have happened. Right. Wouldn't have been the same moment and not at all. Um, you're a pleasure to, to talk to Kelly and I, and I would encourage people to go to your website again. So why don't you share with us just in this last minute um, the your actual website and also um, if there's other ways, I know you can order the book through, through the website, but if there's other places to find it as well.
1: Thank you. So my website is Kelly and that's K E L L E Y Coleman.com. And everything no one tells you about parenting a disabled child, there are links on my website, Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, all the places it is available. It releases March 12th, and there will be lots of events and things to come. You can find out through my website. My social media links are on the website. Um, And again, there's a better way for us to do all the paperwork and the stuff we don't want to do. And let's stop reinventing the same wheels. (laughs) I'd rather be out with my son and his service dog singing head, shoulders, knees and toes. And we need better systems to get there.
0: I agree with you. And I think, you know, I know we're in different states, but I think there's a lot of similarities and a lot of families just get stuck and bogged down in there. And then it becomes easier to just not. So you're helping families find a way to to do the stuff that needs to be done without losing the joy of living your life with your loved ones and your family and your pets and your community. So Kelly Coleman, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time and all the work you're doing. Thank you for everything you do. This is One in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to One in 36, a weekly presentation from Anderson Center for Autism, celebrating their centennial in 2024. Join them for another edition of the show next weekend.